Hello, I'm Karen Hardwick, and in addition to being a clinically and spiritually trained therapist, I am a leadership consultant. As a result of my work and my own messy and beautiful journey, I know that connection is the antidote. On this podcast, I talk with people, leaders from all walks of life, who embody connection to self, to amazing grace and as a result to others. My guests are those who bravely choose true connection, even as they walk through some hard times. They hold their stories and the stories of others lightly and lovingly with authenticity and grace, empathy and gratitude. They are the ones awakening, broken wide open into wholeness. We are all recovering from something, and the sharing of our stories is all about connection not perfection. I have a chair here just for you. We are saving you a seat. If you're looking for more grace and less striving in your life, your parenting, marriage, and relationships at work, join us as we talk with Beth McCord, an Enneagram expert who approaches this transformative tool from a biblical perspective. Hello, everyone. I am joined today by Beth McCord. She is an Enneagram speaker, coach, and teacher, and we are so fortunate to have her join us today on Saving You a Seat. She is trained by some of the most talented Enneagram experts in the world, and she has been leading the industry in simplifying the truths of the Enneagram from a biblical perspective for 17 years. She is the owner of Your Enneagram Coach and is passionate about coming alongside, I just love that phrase, Beth, coming alongside individuals and helping them to rewrite their story and allowing them to see that lasting change meaningful relationships, and a purposeful life is possible. She loves to fly fish and finds tremendous connection being outside in the beautiful hillsides of Tennessee, along with her husband, Jeff, and her two adult children. Combining the gospel and the Enneagram has been instrumental in how Beth and her husband have navigated their marriage and their parenting, and she is going to share some of her wisdom with us here today. So, Beth, I am so glad you're here. Let's start with the basics, just in case some of our listeners are not all that familiar with the Enneagram. So what is it? And why, from your perspective, is it valuable for relationships, parenting, living, and leading. Yeah, so the Enneagram is just a great uh, tool to help us to have clarity of why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways. There's a lot of personality tools out there that let us know what we do or our preferences, but the Enneagram gets down to the why. What is motivating our thoughts, feelings, and actions, and which brings significant clarity as we learn to grow but also why we may have, you know, let's say fallen off track, you know, like why did we get to where we were? And I think that's um, where a lot of people get frustrated in life is they're, they're really trying their best to live a healthy life, a life that is aligned with the gospel, but they keep finding themselves in their own personal ditches, you know, like pitfalls. 
And they're like, why am I here again? And then self-condemnation, fear, and shame pop up. And yet the Bible says there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ. And so then we're sitting there going, yeah, but why am I still here again? I'm, I'm really wanting to live like Christ. Um, and Enneagram, what it's doing is it's giving us clarity to those things that we just don't understand on our own. It is not, it's like an x-ray, basically. It um, shows us what is broken, but what also isn't broken. And it helps us uh, to know when we really need to come back and surrender and depend on Christ to help us to grow into being more like him. Um, But it also lets us to celebrate how we are uniquely created um, and how we reflect God when we're really doing well, when our heart is aligned with the gospel. So in a nutshell, it lets us to understand our heart's motivations and if we're aligned or misaligned with the gospel at any given moment. Um, But it also helps us to understand other people because think of um, the Enneagram has nine basic personality types and think of each person wearing their own set of glasses and each of the lenses is a different color for the nine types. And you might be seeing the world through green and your friend might be seeing it through orange. You think you see the world the same way. But then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, we are motivated by very different things. And in the Enneagram, there are core motivations. There's the core fear, what we're always running away from, a core desire, what we're always striving to obtain, a core weakness. Uh, This is uh, your Achilles heel, the thorn in your side that keeps popping up over time. And it shows us that we need Jesus every single moment of every single day. And then a core longing, a message our heart longs to hear. And there are nine basic types with their own core motivations. And when you start to see people from their their personality lens, you're like, oh, we do see the world differently. And it gives us compassion and empathy, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and uh, an ability to love in a whole uh, deeper way. So, you know, if you have a best friend and you're living life side by side and she does something completely different than you do, and you're kind of maybe offended or bothered by it, now you can be curious. You know, I wonder why she thought of it this way or did it that way and ask curious questions versus assuming incorrectly why she thought or felt in that or acted in that particular way. So it's a great uh, tool for clarity and understanding. But when paired with the gospel, it helps us to not be stuck in the shame and the self-condemnation that we have as we continue to mess up in life. It helps us to see why that's happened and that we come back and surrender to Christ and allow him to work in us and nurture us and lead us into his likeness. You know, thank you so much, Beth, for that, because this being human is a really messy endeavor, right? It sure is. Even with the best intentions, one of the things as an Enneagram 2, Wing 3, is I know... For instance, I am worthy of love, and yet still I can get stuck in trying to prove that by taking care of everyone around me. Like, is everyone happy? Is everybody whistling? What else can I get you? And so the grace that the Enneagram allows us to show ourselves, I Mm -hmm. think is profound. And that it helps us to also get unstuck in ways that are gentle, that we can try softly, Mm -hmm. that we can love ourselves with a certain level of, oh, wow, there it is again. 
instead of flogging ourselves, right? So that's, I think, where the spirit and grace can really show up in really powerful ways. But, But how did you come, like, what's your personal story to how did the Enneagram pop up in your life as maybe this will be helpful? Yeah, it's a great question. Back in 2001, we had two kids. I was 26, so we got married at 20. And, you know, we didn't know ourselves very well, let alone each other. Um, and so when you have, when you get married young and have two kids very young, there's some turbulence, right? Um, I'm a type nine, and type nines are the peaceful accommodators, and we know ourselves the least. Uh, my husband is a type six, which is the faithful guardian, and he just wants connect- connection. He wants uh, security and support and fears being abandoned. And the type nine, we want connection. We want peace and harmony. We don't want conflict of any kind. So we go along to get along. And so this can be a really great dynamic between the two of us because I'm ready to go along, to get along, and that can help him feel secure. But also the nines, what we can do is we can feel uh, that when there is maybe conflict or disagreement of any kind or any kind of tension, it doesn't even have to be that it's negative or bad, you know, that something is going on and, you know, that we have to talk through. But for the nine, that can be like a really big deal. And so I can start to shut down and be not as engaging. Well, for him as a type six, that would feel like abandonment. And that's one of his core fears. And so he would want to move in towards me and try to work this out, which felt like more conflict. And so I'd shut down more and around and around this dance would go. I just didn't understand what was going on. Because again, we see life through our own lens. Like if he, if he would just give me some space and I could think and process, and he's thinking if she would just let me know everything's okay, that there's security in this relationship, you know? So we saw life through our own lens, but we didn't understand what was going on. So in 2001, when Jeff was in seminary and working a part-time job in uh, collegiate ministry, a friend of ours uh, was given the gift of the Enneagram through their counselor, Christian counselor. And they gave us the book they were looking at. And Jeff, of course, was so busy reading all the other books in seminary. He, you know, uh, perused through it thought it was interesting, but I dove headlong into it and I just got it. And as a nine who has this internal fog, we just don't understand ourselves very well. It just felt like someone was clearing the way and giving me insights to myself that would have took decades. And that helped us to bridge a lot of gaps that we didn't understand one another. So I could see him more clearly. He could see me more clearly and we could see ourselves more clearly so we could have honest conversations and move together in more compassion, mercy, and love. It really just sheds an awful lot of light on the dark, confusing places. You know, I wish I wish yes. I had known about it actually when I was in seminary. I, I don't know how I missed that because a lot of people are introduced to the Enneagram in seminary. I must have been asleep or so overwhelmed with the Greek <laughs> and the Hebrew that I just missed the one thing that probably could have been really helpful. But I think it also helps us to step out of normalizing how right we are. And I use it a lot with my leadership clients. And it helps people, like to what you were saying before, Beth, put down the fact that the one way to look at the world is my way 
And I've had literally mm-hmm. CEOs or people in charge of really large organizations start to be more curious. Start yes. to say, I don't yes. know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And, and and put down that that defense mechanism that we can all build up over time, believing that our way is the right way. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, a lot of times, you know, like you said, we have really good intentions. So my intention when, let's say Jeff and I were starting to, or I was starting to feel some tension and me kind of shutting down, the intention wasn't to make him feel abandoned, but that's what he felt. And so again, being curious instead of defensive, because we know that there's no more condemnation in Christ, that everything is secure and um, we're, we're safe in his care and what he has done on our behalf. We can be curious and even say, oh, I can see how you felt abandoned by my withdrawal or my lack of engagement and, and say, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. Like that, that must be really hard. That's not what I was intending or thinking. My process was this, and then I can explain it. And again, it doesn't, we don't have to point fingers and really get on each other like you did that. You know, no, I didn't. You know, we can be curious, compassionate, and understanding, seeing the world through someone else's lens and meeting them there. Now, this doesn't mean I have to completely change everything in my life. It's not that being a type nine is wrong. In fact, God created me to be this wonderful type. And the goal is to become more aligned with the gospel. And the more aligned I am, the more I know I'm his beloved. And the more I'm going to live out in a healthy way as a type nine, more engaged with life, more engaged in conversations, um, less fearful of conflict, and, and able just to sit in the tension of life, knowing that Christ has got me. And when I'm in that trajectory, life is more beautiful. Whereas if I'm so fixated on protecting myself, and what I fear, then I disregard those around me and maybe unintentionally harm them as well. And so again, it's just a lot of curiosity is so important, like opening our hands and being receptive and honest, apologizing, even if it's not intended, like we are like, we didn't intend to do it, but just saying, I hear you and I see you and I want to love you better. And that's what the Enneagram really helps us to do. So I love that because I'm thinking of the the image you used with your words of opening our hands because Lord have mercy, this parenting and marriage and relationships is not for the faint-hearted, right? I mean, it brings up in the most clarifying ways our deepest wounds, our deepest dreams, our fears. Mm -hmm. And it's in relationship that we, I believe, really have the invitation from God to connect deeply with ourself and to find God mm-hmm. in that. And then and only then can we really be present to other people. Right, right. And, you know, the other, you know, like when we think about business, so, you know, I lead your Enneagram coach, um, I'm the founder. And owner of it. And we have probably up 25 people that work for us to some capacity or another. And there's a lot of different personalities. The gift of the nine is that we can see everyone's perspective and we're wanting peace and harmony. 
And when I am aligned with the truth of the gospel, I can enter into other people's worlds without being consumed with making them happy. Where that's that's what I'm not doing well. I'm trying to make everyone happy, and as we all know, that does not work. <laughs> and but but if I am in a healthy spot, I can be curious and learn how I may have missed the mark in loving my team well. And not again, not intentionally. My heart is to intentionally love well, but I'm not going to be able to do it for everyone. And so, but to be able to listen curiously. Uh, we have one team member just recently that, you know, in my mind, I was asking them to do uh, work that I thought was just in line with what we've always done. Um, but it was a, a new trajectory. It was working on a book that we're going to release in September. And in her mind, it was much more, you know, outside of her scope because this was a bigger project. This was, you know, working on a book. You know, is she going to be included in the book? You know, how is this all going to work? And I didn't have a conversation about it, not because I wanted to dishonor her work. It just didn't come to my mind. Well, you know, she felt, you know, a little, you know, slighted or overlooked. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can see where that could come from, from your personality perspective, you know, and then trying to make it right instead of saying, oh, I'm the worst or, oh, she's wrong. I would never do that. That just doesn't bring about the relationship dynamics that we want. Now I can apologize and also give insight of where I was coming from so we could mediate that more closely together. But to understand her personality and to see it through her lens really enabled me to have that compassion and empathy that I may have missed had I not known that. And it also enabled me to know how to move towards her in a specific way that would resonate with her heart Versus how I would want someone to address me. You know, each person wants to be addressed differently. And understanding that can really help your relationships move forward in a more healthy trajectory. So this, you know, back again to the empathy, I think that's one of the biggest gifts of the Enneagram. Because it really allows us to start with self-empathy, which I believe is where real genuine empathy has to come from. We have to find it within ourselves. I believe God plants it in us. But how many of us leapfrog over that and don't give ourselves the same kind of grace that we're trying to give others, but we can't really give it if we don't have it to give. Yeah. Well, and where that really starts is from really knowing what the gospel truly means at its core. I think a lot of people think of being a Christian or a follower of Jesus as I need to do better. I need to, you know, mark off certain things. I need to do certain things throughout the day. And what it really is, is allowing us to embody and to embrace the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Like the work has been done. Now that doesn't mean we just sit back and like, don't do anything. But the first place we have to be is to understand who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. When we realize everything has been taken care of, we can then move towards ourselves with compassion and grace, but then we can also move towards others with that same compassion and grace because it's what's been given to us. And that is, I think the hardest lesson or skill set for any of us to learn. We forget it all the time. That's why 
You'll hear people talk all the time. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily because we forget we're in such a mindset of doing, achieving, fixing that we, we forget who has already done it for us. So I love that so very much. And we cannot tell ourselves that enough to stop the striving because no effort of ours, whatever it is, can match what's already been done for us in Jesus, right? Nothing. And and Mm -hmm. accepting that and surrendering to that and learning to just be with that is probably, at least for me, a daily, daily Mm -hmm. surrendering. There's nothing I can do here that hasn't already been done. Now, having said that, how can I step into my gifts with Mm -hmm. a bigger sense of trust, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, because we're not saying don't strive, therefore do nothing. We are saying no, we've been given so much in how God has created us, how we reflect him just naturally. And when we are resting fully in the finished work of Christ and in who we are and whose we are, then we are able to move forward out of a different sense of joy and energy and excitement in the fullness of who he has created us to be. Now, the thing that we have to realize is that trajectory, that growth path is really hard. Every growth path of all the nine personality types isn't like, oh, this is so fun. Like, this is easy. Like, it is the hardest work we're going to ever do, but it is also the most life-giving in a way that we didn't expect. Um, I think when we think life-giving, we think ease and joy and, like, we're just going to, like, soar through life. And it's actually the opposite. It is hard work because we're surrendering our independence, our autonomy to the Lord. And then we're living out in a path that is actually feels sometimes like so counter to who we are. So for me as a type nine, you know, we, our mind thinks, oh, who am I? My presence doesn't matter. No one's going to really want to listen to me. And that is just false. That is not what the gospel says. The gospel says that I, and all of us have been created uniquely, uh, and to reflect God, but I have to own that. And I have to then step forward in how he has created me and to bless others with what he wants me to bless them with. And again, not for accolades, but for faithfulness to him. And that is really, really hard because it's going, it's going against so much false narratives in my mind. But when I do it, it feels so rich and meaningful because I'm actually living in a trajectory that is the fullness of, of what Christ is calling me to be. And that's the same for each of our personality types. Now, my path of growth is different than your path of growth, which is different than all the other types. And for some, their path of growth seems so easy for me. Like, I can do that in my sleep. It, and that's why we can look at other people and go, why can't you do this? You know, because some some things we can't do pretty easily. But boy, when it comes to our own personal growth and what we need to be working on, ugh. It's really hard. The beautiful thing is, is we get to, again, surrender and depend on Christ to work in and through us. And that is his joy to complete us in being a reflection of who he is. So in the 12 steps, they say God is doing for us what we cannot 
do for ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And what a gift that is to do the really hard surrendering to accept that. Like, wow, okay, so God is doing for me. It's already been done. What I have been trying so dang long to do for myself. You know, one of the things I'm really struggling with in this season is accepting the mistakes I've made as a mother Mm, and the unintentional impact that that has had on my son and watching his process of healing and restoring. And it's his process. As I, you know, also accept there are things that I need to forgive myself for, ask for forgiveness for, and trust that there will be restoration. It's so hard for us moms to Mm -hmm. accept that with the best intentions, we have done Mm -hmm. some things and have had some impact that we wish we hadn't had, right? Yeah. And like you said, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, you know, each of our personality types, you know, are going to at different times rub up against our kids in like, for instance, I love to affirm people. Uh, That's just a natural inclination of a type nine. Well, my son is a type six. That's just not the exact thing that they're looking for. It's what I'm looking for. But what they're, what he would be looking for is that guidance, that security, that faithfulness and loyalty. Now, I definitely gave that some too, but I was more focused on what I would have wanted as a kid. And there's nothing bad or wrong with that in the sense, I mean, giving affirmation is good, but we don't even know that we're missing the mark. And that's why as we're, as when we're older and we hear from our kids, it's okay to say, wow, I now see what really would have meant a lot to you. Um, and, you know, I'm so sorry that I was not aware of that, but I am now, and I want to work hard at knowing what that means to love you well. You know, what, what does it mean for you? And each type is very, very different. You know, a type eight wants to know that they're not going to be controlled and challenged, uh, blindsided, manipulated. You know, us moms can be very good at manipulating uh, to get what we want. And so for us to recognize, oh, you know, my type eight child wants directness. They they want intentionality. All these things can be really helpful when we see it and acknowledge it and are humble and recognizing no parent is ever going to get it right. You can read all the books. But here's the thing with the Enneagram and parenting is that you can't know your child's type until they fully own their own type, which isn't until at least teenage years, if not older. I know parents will say, oh, I know my kid is this type. Guys, I'd, I have it, had the tool when my kids were one and three. I lived this out. And I was curious about my kids. We have to be curious, curious and study them. But I thought, oh, I think my son might be one of these few types. And lo and behold, he was one of them, but I wouldn't have picked it out uh, necessarily until he was able to name it for himself. And my daughter, I thought, oh, she's like me. She's probably more nine, maybe a two, but she's a full-fledged two who actually has a little bit of spice to her. But when she was little, she was trying so hard to find love and acceptance through me that she took on a lot of nine-ish qualities. But now if you see my daughter, she 
is not nine-ish at all. She is okay with confrontation. For the beha- <laughs> I can see you're saying, yeah, me too. Especially on the behalf of others. She's okay to, to, to be mama bear and to say what needs to be said. But I didn't see that a whole lot when she was younger, a little bit here and there. So, but, so why I'm saying that is I want parents to remain curious. Don't just put your kids in a box because you see certain behaviors. This is all about heart motivations. And we truly cannot know another person's heart until they tell us. And kids just can't know their type until they're the ripe old age of, and especially if they're, if they're an old soul, they'll be better at doing it in the teenage years. If they're clueless and they don't care, it's going to take a lot longer. So we can remain curious. We can hold a couple numbers loosely and do the best that we can. But again, the beautiful thing is, is that it keeps us dependent on Christ. It keeps us asking him to work in and through us in the mystery of parenting If he wanted it to be all said and done and easy, it would be. But he wants us to be curious. He wants us to be dependent on him. He is the actual parent to our children. He will take care of them. We just need to be faithful in the process. So much in what you just said. I mean, first of all, that our children are souls entrusted to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do not belong to us. And how important it is, and I, I wish I had known this more, more fully, like in my blood and my bones as a younger mom when I was raising my son, he's 19 now, to realize the letting go and letting him have his own journey is oh, the yeah. challenge of parenthood, right? It sure is, yeah. They are separate from us as much as I would sell my skin for him. Right. And as a two would be willing to do that, actually. Like, sure, that sounds like a (laughs) great idea. Yes. His own path is his own path. It's between him and God, him and Jesus, right? So how hard that is for us parents, and I do believe that the Enneagram is such a tool that encourages us to let go and to let God and to step out of everybody else's lane and to just learn how to be in our own in a really grace-filled way. So I feel like I could talk to you, Beth, for a really long time. Our time (laughs) is wrapping up, but I want to ask you one question that I always ask ask all my guests, and then I want you to have a chance to tell our listeners where they can find you. So here's the question. So the podcast is called Saving You a Seat. Uh And if you could save a seat for anyone and have a real heart-to-heart conversation, who would that be and why? Mm. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, and you guys even gave me this ahead of time, which is good because as a nine, it's like... I don't know. What should my answer be? (laughs) Because we're in that fog. I mean, of course, I think everyone would say Jesus. And so I would definitely put that. But if we were to eliminate Jesus, you know, from the typical answer, the first thing that keeps coming to my mind is my best friend died when I was 17 um, of leukemia. He, He had it for two months. It was a very aggressive form of leukemia. And I mean, I know there's a lot of other people in the world that would be so intriguing to listen to and ask great questions, but I think I would just love to sit and have a conversation once again with him. 
like, like as if he was my age right now. And yeah, just be curious as to who he is as a man and, you know, what that life could have been like, you know, all these 30 some years later. I think that's what I would do. I would just be so curious just to hear from him. Yeah, that just is what my gut keeps saying is to have a seat for Brandon and just to have a great conversation, friend to friend. That makes all the sense in the world. That really moved me. So where can our guests find you? Because I'm I'm having a sense that they're going to want to find you. <laughs> yeah. So our website is yourenneagramcoach.com. We're also on Instagram at yourenneagramcoach. Um, Facebook as well. But I would say yourenneagramcoach.com is a great place to get a free assessment, you know, find out your personality type. It's a guiding post. Keep diving in. The biggest thing I would say is to find your core motivations. Um, And so learn about the Enneagram step-by-step. We've got lots of really great resources taking you from beginning all the way to being an Enneagram coach. So some people out there know a lot about the Enneagram and they didn't even know there was such a thing as actually coaching people with the Enneagram. And it's such a life-giving resource and tool. It's the best job I think ever out there to watch people grow at an accelerated pace. So everything will be at yourenneagramcoach.com for them to find more. Oh, wonderful. Beth, I have so enjoyed this. Thank you for joining us on Saving You a Seat. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. And thank you for all that you've shared with our guests. So very important. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're listening means so much, so please hit the subscribe button and join us for the next episode. To tune into the power of connection and transform your life at home and at work, please also get my book, The Connected Leader. It is available on Amazon and all online book retailers. And visit our page, connectedleaderbook.com. Stay connected. <laughs>